0: When I decided to do this interview on hoarding, I only imagined people who lived in houses with rooms filled to the ceiling, closets overflowing, and garages jammed with useless stuff. And I wanted to understand how hoarding starts and why people can't stop collecting. Elaine Birchall has been helping people who hoard for more than 20 years. And after this interview with Elaine, I started cleaning the junk out of my basement and made plans to go through my clothes and my books and get rid of stuff. And I think you will, too. Hi, Elaine. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I wanted to talk uh, about hoarding for quite some time now because I think people find it extremely interesting how somebody builds up to having a you know a house full of uh, clutter in and worse than that. So what is the definition of hoarding? Well the Diagnostic Manual of Mental Health Disorder definition goes on
1: for about four pages. But if you break it down, there are three criteria where something there that each of which might must be present. I'm sorry, I'll do that again. Each of which must be present. All right, for it to be a hoarding situation. The first is there must be what most people would describe as an excessive accumulation that does not need to be like it is on the television shows. Long before that, it's warning, and a failure to resolve that buildup. Second, um, there some or all of the living spaces can't be used for their intended purpose. Um, so you're still living in the environment, but you're making adaptations that are. A little unusual or very unusual, depending on how long you've tried to adapt to this. And the third thing is somebody is distressed, um, either the person themselves or someone else, about the buildup. Now, there's a caveat to that, and that is if people who had a legitimate reason to know, like the fire department, public health, CAS, um, the Humane Society, senior citizens um, advocacy groups, um, your mortgage company, your fire insurance company, bylaw, property standards if you're in a multi unit dwelling, et cetera. They have a legitimate reason to know because they've given you service and they protect liability. All right. If they knew the true condition of the property, they would have cause to be concerned, even though they aren't actively concerned right now. Then all three of those criteria, even to a minimal degree, must be present.
0: Yeah, so it's a a physical health, public health issue, as well as a mental health issue, because you are putting your, um, physical being in danger and your, your health in danger and anybody else, I guess, who is living with you or in close proximity or in close proximity. Okay. Now we can see behind you conquer the clutter. And of course on radio, you can't see it, but I can see (laughs) conquer the clutter and it's the name of your book. And I'm curious, uh, what is the difference between clutter and hoarding? Because a lot of us will say, Oh, I've got clutter everywhere in my house.
1: Well, let me start out by saying that every single person that I have worked with, every single person over the last 20 years, and that's how long I have done nothing but specialize in hoarding. So there's a high prevalence rate, all right? It's spectrum. So every one of those people said they started out with clutter. So we don't know whether clutter plus something is a precursor to the building up life cycle of what will become a hoarding situation. But fundamentally, those who have clutter and they can resolve it. There's the big thing. They can resolve it. Maybe it happens again, but they can resolve it. Um
0: so you do the big clean out.
1: Or they do the the annoying, okay, we're not going out Saturday morning until this place is in half decent shape. Right. They can recover, all right? So if you can do that, You may, depending on how long that happens, um, you may not be on the continuum of what will create hoarding, but you're on a slippery slope. Hoarding happens when people get overwhelmed by something. can be legitimate life circumstances, and the habits we have that we could fight to maintain get ahead of us no one sets out to hoard
0: no, no one has a, no.
1: no one has a game plan no one is born a hoarder right no and the loveliest and, most unlikely people
0: are yeah. hoard yeah well, it's like with any mental illness it's mm-hmm. it doesn't just pick people who are you know just you know sort of randomly in the world yeah. picks people and um you know the nicest people can have the worst temper, for example, that's the result of, of a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can start and then it can be a bit gradual. And I understand there's a bit of an obsessive compulsive uh, element to this. And I know that that has a lot to do with control. Like you have a control over your environment.
1: So um, it's a misinterpretation, I think, to believe that everyone who hoards uh, lives with any degree of OCD, all right? There are, we could talk about the three paths to hoarding. We know that genetics can play a part, all right? We know that there are four chromosomes with markers in common um, that indicate a high risk of hoarding uh, disorder. Only one of those four, however, is correlated with OCD probably 25, no more than 30% of the people who have who hoard live with any degree of OCD. Right. And remember, even OCD, obsessive-compulsive disorder, obsessive-compulsive personality disorder, it's a spectrum. A yes. lot of people have OCD that don't take all the... They're living with uh,
0: vulnerabilities, yeah. right? Yeah,
1: so, yeah. So the, the genetics you um, but if you think of the power of modeling behavior, um, many people who have come to me don't have a genetic that, that whatever genetics played out in their in their what has created a horde um, wasn't the salient point. It was they didn't know what the target looked like because they were modeled to. St- to not know what normal household duties were. The second um, path is having a high risk comorbid factor. Now that's just a $5 word for other. Again, all of these are spectrum. Mm -hmm. So there's where having OCD, obsessive compulsive personality disorder, attention deficit disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. The number of adults who are on the spectrum, unidentified and untreated, who have shamed themselves their whole life and taken responsibilities that really belong to an undiagnosed vulnerability, Think of the number of people in the Western hemisphere who have depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. Half the Western world has depression or anxiety. Yeah. So there's nothing unusual. You're not crazy. You're not mentally ill in the pejorative sense of that word.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't take mentally spectrum. ill and I don't take yeah. mentally ill as a pejorative word,
1: period. No, but I no. understand
0: that many people would. Right. And you know And us say they're a crazy hoarder. Look at that crazy person down the I know. street. I, hear that, you I know.
1: I'm so fascinated. Yeah. Well, don't be yeah. too fascinated. It could be you in the right circumstances. Right. The third p- path that's really important is what passes what seems like n- normal behavior. All right. Not the most organized. Has to really fight to stay organized. They have a busy lifestyle. There are lots of reasons. And then they become vulnerable. Okay, COVID was a good example of that. All right, people who lived in their environment, so you know, but now they're stuck in their environment. And it feels a whole lot different than it does coming home and devoting Saturday morning to getting back on track. Isolation affects our mental health. And we all, myself included, you go up and down that spectrum of healthy got to watch it got to do something to recuperate because life continues to deal us things
0: we've talked about the spectrum and yeah. uh and as you said at the beginning you know most of us have seen or a lot of us have seen those hoarding shows on tv and we're fascinated by these people who are you know making their way through warrens of piled up newspaper and in mm-hmm. clothing and you can't get into the kitchen I'm uh, where is that? I guess I guess what is the um, the chance of hoarding being at that level cuz that seems to me to be beyond problematic. Are are most people somewhere a little more in the middle of the spectrum where it might become uh, it's hard, harder to to think of yourself as a as a hoarder and not a collector.
1: Mhm. And so given enough time, they'll all end up there given enough time, they will all end up there because hoarding happens because of the relationship people form with their things and the vulnerability that they're put under, the pressure that they're put under. Every day, every one of us has pressures that come into our life and we are more or less able to manage. So it depends on what other things are happening in your life? How many balls are you trying to keep in the air? Are you, are you overwhelmed? As soon as you are overwhelmed, the very part of your brain that you need to get yourself out of this situation is like walking through mud up to your hips. Um, and so the trick isn't how bad can it get the trick is, as soon as you start feeling not comfortable, not at peace with your in the environment and your ability to manage it, are you reaching out for the help you need? Because a problem prevented is better than a problem solved. If you leave it long enough, I believe every hoarding situation will go on to be both a personal and a community health and safety hazard because you, you don't have an off switch when you're overwhelmed yeah, and you can't manage it. And it's not your fault. It's that you're not identifying that you need help soon enough.
0: Right. And I think that um, part of Sometimes if you're feeling very stressed, one of the things that makes you feel comfortable is to hold on to things you think have a lot of meaning. It might be something from your childhood or, or something that you associate with a good time in your life. Is that, is that That's kind one of in the mindset that people can get into? At there's
1: the start kind of it? the active hoarding and there's the passive hoarding. Okay. Um, so active hoarding is these things mean something to me. Remember we form relationships. You do. I do. If, those things are in your environment and they stay in your environment. It's because you have a relationship with them. We're mm-hmm. giving them meaning. All right. And maybe even the meaning is it's not important enough um, to resolve the fact that I'm not sure I need that or how many I need. All right. You have a relationship that creates that a- accumulation remember it has to be an excessive accumulation so you can actively do that many people shop we talked about online shopping uh, a minute ago that it soothes there was something to look forward to in this never-ending story of we can't go out without putting our life in jeopardy many people live in that um, state of mind though COVID not even related to COVID because they're so depressed, they're so overwhelmed, all right? So that's active. Passive will build up just the same. Passive is when you stop processing the things that are part of everyday life. Food containers, dishes, um, the kitty litter, things that are part of your everyday lifestyle And you don't, you don't process them. You don't put the garbage out. You don't put the recycling out. You put it down rather than put it away. All right, you, you, you have gone to a um, reverted to a, a point of, oh, it's just for now. There is no just for now. There is no just for now. Do it now, as hard as it seems,
0: All right, because it never gets easier. What happens to people and children who are living okay. with, in, a, in a family or with parents who are hoarders?
1: I want to handle the children first, children and pets, not that they're equal, but they're both dependent on us and they both love us and they both think that we're right. Remember, all right, the number, a child growing up in a hoarded environment um, is a child who cannot reach their developmental milestones. And the saddest cases are children who grow up believing that the stuff, even though it probably was not true, but it's, it's they're branded by it in their hearts, um, that the stuff was more important than they were.
0: Oh, um, okay. And
1: they there's no room to do homework. There's no room to stay organized. There's no mom's stuff. And if particularly if the person is a compulsive buyer, um, there wasn't money for lunch. I couldn't go on those trips um, because we're not like other people. And I have to keep the secret because my mom, I've got to protect my mom or my dad or my grandma or my grandpa or my aunt or my uncle who's living with us. I've got to keep them okay safe because they'd be in trouble and so it's never good for a child to learn to parentify themselves and deprive themselves the childhood they were meant to have all right while they're taking care of their parents um, because the parents are failing to take care of them and it's not a question of loving your child I have had One or two situations that are particularly, you have to redefine parenting, where it was preferable for the child's sake, but also for the parent's sake to give up custody of their children, because they simply mentally, their mental health would not support maintaining a safe enough environment for the child.
0: So Um, that, that, um, effect on the, on the child is very much like an addiction. So if a parent is an alcoholic or has a substance um, issue, then the child would feel that way. But as well in, in, in terms of um, a physically abusive house, the, the responsibility that a child feels is that strong uh-huh, Absolutely protecting.
1: And they deprive them, they get deprived because there's sort of a social currency that um, you invite me and then I invite you. You invite me and then I invite you. And so there aren't any sleepovers because they can't accept them even when they're invited. There aren't birthday parties. Um, There aren't other things where your friends drop over and you play and so you get isolated subtly from your peer group. Um, And when you go to the the playground and you're playing with your friends on the equipment, you can't go to their house if they get invited back for soft drinks or popcorn or, or cookies
0: or something because I can't. And the child knows that. The child right. knows that. And so it's sort of ingrained in our DNA that we would then reciprocate and say, come to my house. They, so everybody else is
1: doing it sooner right, or later. You right. only have to see that once. Right. And so kids, you just
0: don't go, so you don't get yourself into that situation.
1: And more than that, I've I had an adult woman whose home we were clearing out because another family member had inherited the house and that member had died. And we were clearing the house out. And she's in her 60s. Um, her mother was the hoarder, um, but they loved her. She was a lovely woman. It was a wonderful family, but big cost. And the, the daughter um, of the woman who had long since passed um, said to me, you know, um, I spent my whole life lonely because I never learned how to make friends. There was no point. Wow. There was no point. I, every, but the way you do it is you you're invited there and then I could never bring them home.
0: I think we often don't think of that, right? Again, you go back yeah. to that. What most of us think of is this person with, you know, the, the up to the ceilings. With yeah, newspapers. no, so we don't no, no.
1: When you have a compulsive need to have something or a compulsive need to hold on to something, Beyond reason, all right, then you need to start looking at your relationship to your things because the reason I feel so strongly about this is you give your power away. Yes, recently my sister died and and she left me some things, and I cherish those things, but they are not a replacement for the person. They are not the person. And I know because they're tangible things that sooner or later, um, something's going to happen to those. They're going to get lost, broken, wear out, whatever. All right. And if I delay the grief or I delay the anger or whatever emotion is attached to those things, whatever they represent for you, do the work so that keeping those things are not emotional touchstones for you. They are simply happy reminders. You you don't have to get rid of them, but you do have to change your relationship because when something happens to those, all of the grief, all of the unresolved grief, all of the unresolved anger, all of the the resentment, whatever it is, all right, the loss, it's a loss any way you look at it. That is a price you're gonna to have to pay. You already have the memory here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I started this interview thinking we were gonna talk about people who were keeping too much stuff and difficulty um getting rid of those things, mm-hmm. but the but the it's such a much, much deeper uh psychological and can personal happen. and it can happen to anybody one final question. Yes, If I know someone or I have a, a family member or a friend who I can see either is developing hoarding or is, you know, quite far down, as you said, that spectrum, how do I approach that? So the
1: easiest answer to that is go on my website, ca. I did a video called are you concerned or are you worried about someone's acquiring behavior and that video will tell you book and verse how to stay on the right side of the line as far as respect um, boundaries and limits but how to communicate in a way that the other person can receive that message and consider getting the help you know they need.
0: Elaine, thank you so much for uh, for talking to me about this. Um, your website is chock-a-block full of good information. Your podcasts are are awesome. And like you said, if you go back through them, you're always going to find something that will be a, a touch point for you when it, when it comes to hoarding.
1: Can I mention one other thing? Sure. Though, just other resources. So that podcast, you have to go on hoarding.ca and subscribe. We're not going to send you a lot of garbage mail it just lets us know so we can protect the security of zoom okay. um, every wednesday morning from 11 until noon it's free all right and there's a whole library of, of hoarding and topics the conquer the clutter um, was written for you if you know someone who hoards in your concern, if you're a professional and you're working with someone, you don't want to be an expert in hoarding, but you want to be able to offer them intelligent, useful, practical information, um, or if you hoard yourself to any degree where you think you might. And there is an exclusive website of all of the tabulatable tools and resources from the print version. You can go on, you have limitless access to it. You can take all the quizzes. You can score yourself today. You can score yourself next week to see if you're moving forward. And if all else fails and you don't know what else to do, you can email me at ilaine, Elaine E-L A I N E dot Birchall, B-I-R-C-H-A-L-L at hoarding.ca, and I'll do my best to point you in the right direction.